Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. everyone welcome to another week of gee thanks just bought it the podcast where we talk about what we just bought and what you might need to buy next i'm your host caroline moss and joining me today is maxwell ryan he's the ceo and founder of apartment therapy media one of my favorite places to go and get inspiration but also to go and feel incredible envy and jealousy maxwell welcome to gee thanks Thanks for having me. It's glad to be here. I'm so excited to have you. You started Apartment Therapy as like a like a newsletter, right? Wasn't it like an offshoot of your design consultant business? Yeah. I mean, actually, it, it was more basic than that. I, I started, I literally hung out a shingle and had a phone number and said, you can hire me to come to your apartment and I will help you transform your apartment in a day. And um, on, on no budget or a budget, depending on which what you had. And then the email, I, I started doing a weekly email based on my experience with pe- with my clients. And then my brother, who had actually went to business school and had been working in Silicon Valley for five years in digital media, he came back uh, on a trip to New York and said, hey, you know, you're writing this funny little email and you're spending a lot of time in clients' homes you should start a blog. And I said, uh, what's, what's a blog? Right. And he said, <laughs> it's, it's this thing that's really popular and up and coming. And more than that, it's, it's about harnessing the voices of the community. Mm. And that's, that got me out. That is, so you were really early on that blog train. That's early 2000s, like what, 03, 04? Yeah, I started in spring of 04, and to be fair, it, it seems early now, mm. but at the time in New York, I was already becoming aware that big there was big sites like Gawker and Jezebel right. and uh, Gothamist and Curbed. They, all, they were all going for like a year or two, and they were already gaining a lot of popularity. So I felt at the time like I was late to the party. Right. I'm sure. I mean, but you're still pre influencers, pre Instagram. I mean, in the, in the, the great, yeah. Yeah. Pre social media, like in the grand scheme of the timeline, you were probably right around the early side. Um, because yeah, that, that world where it was just, you know, blogspot.com and that was was kind of it. (laughs) There were three phases. The first phase was you started your site. It could be small and you started a conversation with your readers and they put you on their blog roll, right? So they booked That's they book right, marked you. the blog roll. People would go down their blog roll and visit their 12 or 20 sites they loved. Mm-hmm. And you would go into the comments and talk to them and they would talk to you and they'd send you emails. And I remember I was working with um, sharing offices with a woman named Meg Hurahan who who started Blogger, but she was working for 
Nick at Denton at Gawker at the time. And she was, she had her personal blog and she would just get packages where fans would just send her things. And it was like this wonderful direct connection you had with an audience. Yeah. And then search kicked in and we all realized that the audience was going to get a lot bigger now because of Google search. And that was driving, driving views, but less connection with readers. Right. And then social kicked in and Facebook in particularly, and that changed the game. It turned the game upside down and, um, it became at that point almost impossible to keep up with people directly. And now you had to, you had to write, you know, you wrote something, you probably had an email and you were tuning it for Google and now you were pushing out on Facebook and Twitter and, or, and, and then later Instagram. Right. And it got a lot more complicated. Yeah. Because we then had to start serving the social media algorithm rather than just writing what we wanted to write for an audience that was there and listening, it all became about like, okay, well, what terms are going to get, you know, are going to show up on the first page of Google when we search and sort of gaming the SEO and also like just trolls in general, like back in the Uh early two thousands, like no one would read a blog they didn't want to read. You know what I mean? Or if they did, there was like a, just a small population of people uh, reading blogs they didn't want to read. So you would actually just have like a, even if it was a small community, you would actually have actual engaged readers who were like enjoying what they were reading. Um, yeah. They're fiercely loyal. Yes. And, and they were talking to one another and what Nick Detnick Gawker realized early on, which I'm sorry, as it doesn't happen more. Um, it's hard to manage. He realized that the comments were the most vibrant part of a, of a active site. And so, they rebuilt their their sites, all those sites back then, to highlight comments and also pull commenters up as editors. Right. And so that just led to this incredibly active, loyal crowd of people that were really showing up to talk to one another and not just to read the authors, although they were doing that too. Yeah, I have to remember, but I'm almost positive the Deadspin, a Deadspin editor at one point was just a very active kinja commenter i'll have to fact check myself but like i now i'm remembering i'm going back into my memory and remembering because i'm in like that i'm in like the next generation of of blog and internet world people where like gawker was already established and buzzfeed was on the come up and business insider which is where i started working and you know overnight you would get these emails from editors being like okay facebook's not showing photos anymore now we have to attach videos to all the links that we put on the facebook so that like it actually gets in front of the people following our page and it was just it's so much to to keep up with and to think that this was less than 20 this was all just in two decades um yeah is so crazy (laughs) it moves so quickly you're absolutely right, though. I would say that BuzzFeed, if, if Gawker and those sites created the environment of commenting and that type of connection, which was really built on the political blogs, yeah. political blogs were the first ones to just go bonkers, and they were being a big part of the, of the presidential election of, gosh, way back when. I don't know which, which one it was, Bush or Gore or mm-hmm. any of those. The, 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 when BuzzFeed came along, everyone was like, oh, it's not being smart about what you write. It's about catching the social algorithm just right. So yes. they, you know, they get still get joked for realizing that cute, cute kick, kittens, yep, kittens work better than like a serious conversation. And they really, they they were a technical company, so I knew them too. And they 
they didn't really have any writers. They were just technology. They were a technician, a technical team, engineers, and they were looking hard at how to game the algorithm on social. And they figured out that if you got velocity in the first few hours, it was sort of a virtuous cycle and it would propel you for the rest of the day and the week. And if you could just capture that wave, you would capture the audience. And so they got really good at that. Then they hired writers to write stuff just to put stuff in it. Yeah. And, and of course, a lot of it was clickbait at the time early on. And, but yeah, all of that stuff, we started off as writers, then we ended up figuring out how to play like, like casino gamblers. Yes. Having to figure out the system. Yeah. And I worked for both business insider and Buzzfeed. And I can tell you that like some of the smartest people, um, work for these sites like you know they're not doing brain surgery every day you can't compare the two jobs but if you think it's easy to write these quizzes and to be like okay well what can i do that will like get people to both like it and share it and follow and comment that is not easy you are competing for so small of of an attention span and you are trying to figure out well how can i get your attention and and win over my competition which is the entire internet all of the streaming sites your phone everything and the fact that these sites can do it is because the people who work there are so smart and it's more than just like you're right like they still get they still get shit for like the cat gifts but it's like there's a reason why everyone talks about the cat gifts is because everyone was looking at them like they're <laughs> like they did you know you were paying attention you know and and all of those quizzes that are like you know you're from minnesota when how many people from minnesota like put that on their facebook page and was like oh my god this is so true there's a whole science behind that you know and that and they're following this sort of mentality of like the 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 content that speaks to you is the content that will get shared. And if it gets shared, it gets front of, in front of more viewers. And then they're, th- and like, it all just is a snowball effect, but it is, you know, the internet just doesn't fall from the sky. Uh, you know, people are sitting behind their computers, creating all of the stuff that you're consuming every single day. And I think that mm-hmm. like, you know, 20 years later after the start, I miss my Google reader so much. I miss like huh. knowing you know, I, I miss going through the line. I read this blog post. Okay, next one, next one. And now it's like, I don't even know where to start. Um, and there's so much yeah. out there. There's so many videos. All of a sudden, it's been three hours and I've been watching, you know, like apartment tours and where has the day gone? Um, but it's it's amazing to see that apartment therapy is still like really kind of front and center in that world. Well, thank you. We're, to, we... So from that very first beginning, working with people in their apartments, my central insight was if you can help people solve a problem, you will be in business. And and so that's, and, and, and the business may change in a way, and it, and it certainly has, yeah. or the medium has changed a lot. And that's what we're talking about. But the business has stayed the same since day one. And what I tell people I work with is we're not an entertainment company. We, we do three things. We inspire people. We um, teach people and we connect people to resources. And if we do a good job of that each day with regard to home design, cooking, life at home, then we will figure out the medium, but we get to do good work every day. And I think by and large, that's been true. We have been a slow, a slow, sometimes a fast follower, sometimes a slow follower of much of the stuff that we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. We have never been... um, on the forefront or in, you know, in the trade press with breaking, 
uh, you know, fabulous new technological grounds um, or being the biggest company or the richest company. But I, but I do think the, the web now looking back 15 years is littered with people who have died along the way. And I'm, I'm proud of the fact that we've, we, we, we've kept going and we've stayed very true to that. And I think we, we do a good job. I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're reading us still, then that's great. We yeah. just, we, we need to, we need to be of service. And if we are, I, I'm not worried about the future. You are touching on such an important part of the internet, which is with the speed that everything was moving, I would say between 2008 and probably about the time Trump got elected, there was like an eight years there where like the internet was really fun and lots of stuff was happening and it wasn't so doomsday every day. Um, Every site was trying to be a site for everyone because everyone was trying to win like with the most page views, biggest audience. And when you try to become a publication that serves everyone, you end up becoming a publication that serves no one. So sticking to you know, I wouldn't even call it bread and butter, but sticking to what you came to do is what helps you like outlive the people that, you know, live fast and and die young. Um, (laughs) And I'm on apartmenttherapy.com right now. And I'm looking at the, um, the big uh, image and I'm looking at the byline, Kelsey Mulvey and I went to high school together. So I'm, yeah, (laughs) I'm like, Oh my gosh, right. Kelsey Mulvey. I forgot you worked there. Um, But yeah, apartment therapy like sticks to you guys stick to what you know and you do it really well. But I want to touch on something that I said when I introduced you, which is that apartment therapy like ignites a jealousy in me. um, Oh, tell me more. Well, so I'm and this is where I'm hoping you'll help me on today's episode before we get into the thing that you brought. What I love about apartment therapy is obviously the the aesthetic. Everyone is so like it's just such a, you know, a well-appointed sort of site that features well-appointed rooms, houses, spaces, what have you. I am a stuff person. I have stuff. And a lot of times when I see pictures of people's beautiful spaces, I'm like, where is all of your stuff? Where is, where are you keeping your things? And um, I used to live in a Brooklyn apartment in Cobble Hill that had multiple closets. I think it had one, two, four four or five closets, which is obviously a huge help when it comes to stuff. But now I live in this house in LA that has two closets and it feels like my stuff is everywhere all of the time and I cannot get a handle on it. And I was just saying to my husband, I was like, oh, I'm interviewing Maxwell Ryan. And he was like, oh, you should ask him what to do with your office. Cause my office is just like furniture and piles. And mm-hmm. I don't, I want to move out a dresser, but I don't know what to do with all the stuff that's already in the dresser. Cause there's limited closet space. Is there any advice that you could give me that is not have less stuff? Yeah. 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 And by the way, you know, we wouldn't be in business if we all didn't have this problem to a certain extent. <laughs> it just feels like and all our, the people in the picture don't have stuff and all their houses are so beautiful yeah. and I'm just jealous. Especially on Instagram. I, I sometimes I tell the, the, the Instagram team, like, where'd you get those pictures? Those R- are way too nice. Right. <laughs> right. What what's happening behind the camera? Like on the other side. Like it's crazy. But um yeah, and we look, we do we do a lot with obviously with before and afters. We do a lot with we now run four cures a year where we work specifically with decluttering and cleaning up and stuff. And we deal with real problems and 
real homes and our own homes for that matter. Mm-hmm. And, and even my, my, um, my weekly video, One Good Thing, is, is really sort of uh, couched in, in, in basis of like, I am always struggling to try to figure out a solution for something that's gone wrong. And when I find one, that's, that's one good thing because it's helps solve life's little problems. Right. But with regard to clutter, first of all, you're not alone. Everyone does it. Everyone does it. And I like to say, as a New Yorker, if everyone, all the apartments I went into over the years, if everyone thought that everyone who walks down the street in New York and looks as good as they look in terms of how well nicely they're dressed, Mm -hmm. realized that when those people go back into their home, they're deeply embarrassed most of the time. It would understand New York. That makes me feel better. I get it. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad. So, so when I was living in New York, I really was, I was among like-minded people. It just, it just feels like, I guess Instagram probably really ruined it for me, but yeah, like there's so much stuff and there's no space. Um, Well, so this is, this is what happens. Okay. Here's my theory. When, so we, we we're basically, we're primates and we came early on from a hunter gatherer, uh, background. And I don't think in certain ways is like a hunter gathers cavemen. We haven't changed that much. In other words, we grew up in a world where more stuff, if we could keep more stuff close to us, we probably wouldn't die. We, we gathered a surplus in order to feel like we were in control of our life. And if you, th- if you take that, probably not you or me, but if you think about people in the suburbs who have a lot of extra space and they have maybe freezers in the garages, in their garage where they can yeah. store up a lot of food. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same thinking. We're very good at bringing stuff into our homes, and generally speaking, we don't like to let go of it because we feel safe with it. That now, can I interrupt you and just say that that yeah. makes so much sense to me because I would not have considered myself a stuff person until midway through the pandemic, and I wonder if it was like a coping me- mechanism where I was oh, just maybe. like, you know, there was nothing else to do, so it was like things. And, and I think you're probably right. And also we we all know that when you get more space, you fill it up. Yeah. That's so interesting that you say that. That's such a different perspective. Okay. So, so we are, this is within us. This is part of our biology. Yeah. So this is within us and by and large, the world, that was the right way to live in this world uh, up until maybe a hundred or 150 years ago. When you move into the industrial period and stuff becomes easy and cheap, um, in the old days, people used to get their furniture. You didn't, you didn't go buy a dining room table. You got it from your parents when they passed away or they gave you that and you kept it in the family right. for years. And you just, there wasn't that much stuff in the world. You really couldn't, you couldn't have a cluttering, a, a clutter, a clutter problem in 1850. It just didn't <laughs> exist. Sure. But now in our world, we know with Walmart and Target and, 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 and Costco and all of the ways in which it's easy, relatively easy to gather stuff from small stuff to expensive stuff, we tend to over nest. We tend to bring stuff in. And what we do not do well is push stuff back out. And so what, what I talk about with people I work with a lot is developing that understanding that we're really good at bringing stuff in. So now let's get really good at bringing stuff out. And if we do a good job, we can keep the door, the revolving door going. It's, you know, you, you don't, you don't have to not buy anything ever again, and you don't have to live with nothing. 
and you don't have to throw everything out, but you do have to figure out a nice equilibrium. Yes. And, um, so there's a couple of things that I do that I've taught people that I find work really well. And I'll tell you one really quickly. Okay. So de decluttering, maybe your office is, a, is an issue like this. Um, it's really hard to declutter, say, an office. Why? There's two problems. One is um, you're not sure if you really want to, you can live without that thing. Mm -hmm. That's one problem. That's one decision thing you have to make. The other problem is you don't know if you, if you decide you don't want to live with it, where are you going to put it? You're right. going to take it to salvage money. Are you going to put it in the garbage? Oh, you can't put it in the garbage because you got to recycle. Okay. Then I got to do that's another trip. So, so you've got these two twin decisions being made at the same time. And most of the time, and I live this too, is it's easier to just leave it on the desk because I can't, I, if I solve one, I don't know the other and I get paralyzed and I put it back. So what I tell people to do, and typically it is useful to choose maybe once a season, uh, you know, a room in your house, whether whatever is driving you crazy, you, you go into your office, you spend in a couple of hours and you take all of the things that you think you can live without and you put them in a corner or you put them in a, by the front door, you put them in a box. I call it the out box okay. and you just leave them there for a week. And I guarantee you it's the most fascinating thing. If you, that separation anxiety people have with an object, if they know it's just going to go to a box by the front door for a week and they can bring it back, they can bring it. If you want at the end of the week, you want to bring it back. That's fine. Every single time by the end of the week, they look at that box and they go, what was I thinking? Huh. And it all goes out and then it's in a box and you take it to whatever. And to be fair, and I probably shouldn't go on record for saying this, I throw a lot of stuff out. Okay. I, I, because, or I put it on the street in New York, I can put it on the street. I, I had a pair of shoes that were brand new that I bought and I was regretted it and they just didn't fit. And so I just walked out and put them on the street and they were gone. So you can do that in the city. You can, there is recycling and Salvation Army, but a lot of the Salvation Army doesn't take a lot of the stuff that we want to get rid of because yep. they recognize it's, they can't. So you end up, you end up throwing stuff out or giving it away, but it does make it easier to, to separate with things and declutter. Cause really what you're dealing with are two, two decisions that are too tightly joined and you can't make them at the same time. That's really interesting because you know, Marie Kondo swept the nation, swept the world. Yeah. Um, and, I don't know, 2015. And her whole thing is, you know, pick up every single item in your house and ask if it brings you joy. But when you're in the mindset yeah. of I have too much stuff, nothing actually brings you joy because this is, it's a very non for me anyway, it was a very not joyful process. Um, like the entire idea that I had to do it in the first place brought me no joy. So actually like sitting down with each individual thing, I felt like I couldn't like a, the only emotion I was assigning to it was just like, being annoyed. Um, I like the idea of, no, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. I hear you. And, and uh, you know, the, the nice thing about Marie Kondo is that she really pushed people into a positive space, or at least, it, you know, it, it, it felt simple to say, does it give me joy? And I think as a messaging, as a, as a, as a communicator, she was genius. Um, but to your point, you should then have basically thrown, taken half your office away yes. because you did, none of it gave you joy, but you couldn't do that. Right. Because I was like, I don't know if I'm not feeling joy 
towards this item or am I just not feeling joy towards this process? But I like the idea of doing like a purgatory moment with stuff and being like, it's here if I need it, but I'm going to be honest with myself at the end of this week or two weeks or however long I give it in the box. Um, How many times do you have to do the box cycle? Is it something that you continuously are doing? I, um, I do it. God, I mean, I'm, I do it when I get really annoyed at something and I feel like I have a little space and time and it's usually a weeknight, a quiet weeknight when I, when I'm not, and actually COVID, COVID was good and bad. I, when COVID hit, I cleaned out my basement. It was fabulous. I, 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 I hadn't done it and it, and I, you know, I attacked years, uh, two years of clutter, but then as COVID went on, things started to fill up. And, um, last, was it last night? Yeah. Last night, um, we decluttered the refrigerator and that may not sound like a big deal, but we were pulling frozen meat out of the freezer, looking at the dates and it was all spring 2020. Totally. We we were buying bulk and it had been in there for over a year Mm -hmm. and yeah, we had to, had to throw it all out. So the fridge was really driving me crazy. So that happened last night. I don't know when the next thing will happen, but it it tends to have little waves and then I just go for it. And then I build a little box and leave it downstairs. And then I look at that box all week long and I'm like, Ugh, what am I going to do with this? Who stuff? needs it? And I, yeah. And where am I going to put it? And, and I eventually, I, you know, I tr- often try to give stuff away. Some of my friends think it's very funny that I'm constantly gifting them stuff that I'm trying to get rid of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Declutter yeah. their own house. Right. <laughs> um, and then I end up, if I'm in the city, I can, I can put on the street that works well. But then again, unfortunately clothing and stuff, if it's old clothing, I, I put it in the trash. I think that like, well, I will give you, I will give you a piece of advice if you'd like it. All right. Some of the new, fa- like the fast fashion places who are you know, the H&Ms, the Forever 21s of the world. And I know you have a teenage daughter. Um, yeah. So she'll, she can let you know. But they do a lot of, um, they get a lot of flack, obviously, for creating clothing that just kind of whips through the world and ends up a lot in landfills. So they, a lot of them have yeah. started these recycling programs where you can just bring a bag of clothes no matter what condition. And they do textile recycling. So in New York. Yeah. So now you don't have to, I I totally get it. Like dropping off, there's nothing worse than dropping off a bag. And as someone who used to sort, um, donations at a nonprofit. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I, I had a friend who did, was a picker. And, and, a, and a sorter. So you you did that too. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah, I worked at a nonprofit that did um, workwear for women who were recently um, out of incarceration and going back to work. And a lot of times it's just kind of insulting the things that people donate. And, you know, one of the things that we would tell potential donors is like, if you wouldn't just be like, you know, say to your friend or your sister, um, Hey, like, I don't wear this anymore. Would you like it? Then don't give it to these women. Don't donate it. Like, don't give us, you know, shirts with holes in them. Like who's, who, who's able to use that? It's the same yeah, thing, bringing yeah. it to goodwill, you know, because it's, it's ultimately going to end up in a, in a landfill, but a lot of these fast fashion, and I know the H and M on a uh, fifth and I think 19th used to do this. They have like a whole box and they do textile recycling. So that is a tip next time right. you do a box of clothes. Um, but I think you're. You know, for, for the, Go ahead. For the record, my my 14 year old is actually much better at this than I am. I'm <laughs> unfortunately a dinosaur, and I get frustrated, and I give up. 
but she's so hip to vintage right now and and into actually she's trying to sell her stuff back on on pop Posh, poshmark pop. or pop or depop yeah yes exactly. yeah the yeah. teens so, are cool They're, this is a very cool generation yeah and uh yeah unfortunately like i feel not kindred with them like i'm like okay i'm old compared to you guys but like yeah it's it's i think you're on the right track by saying like i'm not going to bring this to goodwill because it just becomes someone else's job right i mean it becomes someone else's uh you know weight on their shoulders but i think the thing about parting with and and when I look at apartment therapy and I see these beautiful you know clean and I know a lot of it is you know for the photography and we're not getting a a total look at like you know a house in chaos um but you know there's something so appealing to me about having this kind of aesthetic and I understand that that means you know parting with things or or not you know having as much and but being able to marry the two ideas has always seemed, I always got really stuck on that. Um, and so I think I'm going to try this box idea. It's, try the, try the out box. Yeah, I will. It, it's, it's really satisfying when, when you do it, cause you, it, it allows you to say, you know what, I'm going to dive into that closet and rip it all out. And it's going to go neatly in a box for, you know, the week or two. And then I'll worry about that then. Yeah. And then we will be honest with ourselves when we come back to it. Yeah. yeah. I think especially during the pandemic when everyone became deeply, intimately familiar with the four walls of their house or their apartment, uh-huh. it just, it really um, kind of, and I don't, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm not like hoarder status. Like I'm not living in piles, but like, you know, you always have one room or one corner of your house that like is the excess place. It's like when, yes. you know, a thing doesn't have a place that goes over here and then, you know, every, once a month you get really annoyed with it. Um, and I feel like during the pandemic, it was like sort of inescapable because you were constantly met with that vision every day. It's you weren't going on vacation. You weren't spending a lot of time outside your house and uh, and you really wanted to make your house comfortable. And I feel like I was able to do that with different spaces in my house. I love my living room. I love my bedroom, but my office and my kitchen somehow you know, for two people huh. living in a house, we have like 47 plates and I love all yeah. of those plates. I don't think I need 47 plates. We are two people. The max amount of people yeah. we have at our house is like maybe six more people. Um, yeah. Maybe it's time. Maybe Wait, it's you, time. Yeah. I, you know, you say plates and I don't know what they are, but I'm guessing that did, did you get them from your parents or anything like that or wedding presents? Yes. Like so that? I inherited my grandmother's dish set. Um, it is so sentimental to me. Uh, my grandmother had six children and 17 grandchildren. So there are a, a million plates, a million bowls, a million of the small plates that no one ever uses. And then when I got married, we got some really nice dishes. So it's kind of a mishmash of things. I can't get rid of, I feel like I can't get rid of the grandma stuff, but also part of me is like, what if I just kept like two of each like thing in the set and you know, maybe yeah. I don't need 14 <laughs> flower plates from 1967. I don't know. Uh, 
But and what do you like using them? Do you love them when you use them? I do. It reminds me of them. Um, I feel yeah. you know it's very sentimental to me. It reminds me of my childhood. It reminds me of their home, um, which is no longer you know it's owned by another family now, so it's a nice memory. But again, there's just so many, and yep. it's just you yep. know if I if I have that conversation about every single thing I own, I'm a sentimental person. I could be like, oh, this pen. This is the pen. This is the pen that I you know I signed. This this thing and then I'll never get rid of anything you know I think I think I need a little tough love I really do something like that I mean the pen I'm not worried about but the dishes I I, I, I totally understand yeah um, the this is what I would say okay you only need one set of dishes and you should probably aim to have only one set and you should use them all the time Unless you have tons of room and, and you have a staff or something. Right. So so then you have a you have a problem because really what this is is a family heirloom on, on, on a certain level. Yeah. And um the the all um, this is just a, a little story that I love that I remember every time when I feel like I have this problem. So my aunt, uh, my mother's sister, inherited my grandmother's library and my grandmother's an English teacher in, um, in New York city. Mm -hmm. And so it was a very valuable library. It was, it was not just, it was sort of her personal, her life was wrapped up in those books and my aunt had it at a certain point. She realized she had been moving around LA and carrying this library, which was no small thing because it was like hundreds of books. It was expensive. It was heavy. It, every time that she moved, she had to build out a new room for it. And she realized, I think in her 60s, that it was a weight that was bringing her down in her life. Mm. So this is going to be, the, this is the dark side of Marie Kondo. She, she realized that she needed, she wanted to lighten her life because she wanted to be light before she died. And so she wanted to just let go of the weight she was carrying in life, so to speak. And she went through this exercise of looking around her at all the things and giving them away. And, and the main thing was this library. And what she did is she, she went to all the family members. I have a few books and she gave us pieces of the library that she thought we would appreciate. And then everything else that she didn't keep herself, which is a small portion she gave to, to a library. So it went to a library. Oh. Now you can't exactly do this with dishes, right? but I don't know if you have siblings. I do. But if 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 you want to use that set and make it your daily set, then do that. But if you don't and you have, I don't know, regular everyday white plates that you prefer to use more often, you might consider giving it away and keeping it in the family, but giving it to someone who will use it or maybe splitting it up. I don't know. You tend to not want to split dishes up. That's a, that's actually but, a nice idea. I like the idea of maybe just calling up all my cousins and just being like, does everyone want one grandma plate? <laughs> and I think I would be, yeah. I would be okay without the set. Cause I have the set from the wedding and my wedding and, and you know, the plates, you know, they appear at the top of the plate pile in the, in the cupboard when they do. And I don't, we don't really care about matching or whatever, but, but I would like, you know, to have one or maybe a backup one if it breaks. See, this is how my mind works. Like I'm a nut. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, well, I have to have like, you know, two extra. Um, but I think that might be like a nice, yeah, these are things like I haven't. And honestly, I should have done before we moved all of our stuff from New York, you know, 10 years in New York to Los Angeles, but you're right. And I, and I'm remembering packing all of my books up and 
my husband's books up to move. And that was the most expensive part of our cross country move was just boxes of books. And then they take up the whole house. And like, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, we're the house with all the books. And sometimes I'm like, oh, we're the house with all the books, you know, and it's like it, it there's an emotional I I just think, yeah, I th- I like the idea of, of knowing who has, you know, the things that are sentimental to me, but that are just not necessary. Um, and I think it'll just require think- some thought and like, you know, a couple like a weekend of like, you know, really taking some inventory and figuring out what makes sense. Yeah, I think and particularly for things like that, that are hand-me-downs, if you if you're on the other side, let's say you're on the other side and you've now reached out to your cousins had a really sort of sweet connection with them, whereby you've distributed this sort of incredible family uh, collection in a manageable way. And now you've, you've A, done all of that good good work, mm-hmm. and B, your cabinet is not brimming with 47 plates. Yes. Um, and you have one or two, which is totally fine. Uh, I think that would feel better in, in, by leagues than holding on to the set and no one knowing where it is and only you knowing the value, but it's too heavy even for you. Yes. I really like that. I think this was like a very good, this was a good good apartment therapy session. Um, And I'm (laughs) realizing too, that I think a lot of these behaviors skip generations because when my grandmother died and my grandfather had already passed away, you know, we, my mom and her siblings that lived in the area were really in charge of cleaning out the house. And of course, my grandmother yeah. was, you know, a depression kid and, you know, they didn't throw anything away. You ate, you ate the crackers that expired three years ago. You would never throw out, you know, a box of crackers. And that's just sort of the way she lived. And it was one of those things where she'd go to the grocery store, even in her seventies and her eighties. And if they were doing like a 10 for 10 pasta deal, uh, yeah. she'd get all 10 boxes. And my mom would be like, Hel- you are one woman. You are one. P- why are we buying 90 boxes of pasta. Well, they were on, t- it was a good deal. And so I think my mom is, is so the opposite. My mom is always, every time I call my mother and she lives in New York, she's throwing something away. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm cleaning this thing and I'm throwing everything away. And sh- I think she kind of wants, she doesn't want to have, she doesn't want us to have that experience that she had with her own parents' house. You know, when it's, uh-huh. when it's her turn, she just wants it to be easy for us. But I think I took on more of the characteristics of my grandparents, which is like, I save everything. And I think it's because my mom, like, if she could, would like get one of those big dumpsters in front of the house and th- we would have we would have one couch and four plates and maybe a dining room chair and my mom would be so happy like she would just light the thing on fire and it's just you know the mentalities are different and sometimes when you you have a a really extreme when there's a spectrum and you know someone on the really extreme side you end up going to the other side and I think that like some of that mm. behavior is totally in the family but you're right I don't need 47 plates and I know deep down in my heart I don't need 47 plates. Um, but it's just, you know, it's it's work, you know, like cleaning all this stuff out, like years of just like, you know, memories and and things that you attach a lot of sentimental value to is sort of a, a task that I think a lot of people avoid, <laughs> myself included. Um, once, once you do deal with this part of it, though, I think what I found is you become a lot more careful about what you accept yeah. as a present or anything. I, 
I now get cards. My mother was a little bit like your grandmother. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So, yeah, I'm a little bit of the declutter. My mother's house was very pretty, very pretty. Mm-hmm. She was an artist, but she every surface was covered with something pretty. Um, it wasn't clutter per se, but it was it was um, a lot of objects. Right. And she wouldn't let go of anything, mm-hmm. um, although it was very nicely curated. And um, I just I think. In what I found is I used to get, you know, you get holiday cards and actually probably we get less holiday cards now than we used to get when people sent paper, but you still get that sort of stuff. And they used to sit on my desk or, you know, put them on the bureau for like a month, two months, three months. You'd be like, it'd be springtime. And you're like, can I throw out that beautiful photograph of my friend with their children? And, right. on the, you know, and you, oh no, I can't do that now. I, I receive the card. I re- I make sure I read it right away, mm-hmm. and I put it on the desk. And at the end of the week, I put it in the garbage. And and I've I've found there's like a once you realize how valuable your life is, and how much weight possessions can put on you, mm-hmm. you become a lot more careful about buying and also receiving stuff that people give you. And it's a good practice because it means you don't have to declutter so often. (laughs) Yeah, I really like that. I really like that having that hard and fast rule. And I think my mind always goes to like, but what if this person dies tomorrow? And then I'll want their Christmas card forever. But like, when has that ever happened to me? Not ever. And probably won't happen often if it ever does. But like, I have, I have like a shoebox of like birthday cards, you know, from like, I don't know, my aunts and uncles. And I just feel bad about throwing them out. But you're right. I don't know why I like have that. And of course, they're like, I know exactly where all of them are. They're on their little spot, like in the coat closet. And and it's not it doesn't it's not invasive to my life. But I'm also like, you know, why is this here? And what am I doing with this? And and what's going to happen to me? What's going to really happen to me if I throw this away? And I think I'm coming off as more of a hoarder than I am. I'm really not. And you would never know by looking at my house that I just have I've accumulated more things than I want. But I think it's the like, you know, the really kind of taking yourself through that thought process of like, you know, what what is it about this that I'm keeping? And especially now that we all have phones, I could take pictures of the cards <laughs> like, and that would be fine. And then they're taking up no space. Um, but there's something that always has felt bad to me about, you know, throwing away a birthday card, but you're right. It's like, you read it, you laughed at the joke that Hallmark made and you sort of f- fulfilled the life cycle of what a birthday card is supposed to be. You know, you don't have to well, keep it forever. No, more than that. And I think this is really important. And here's the, here's the real therapy side of it. When someone sends you a birthday card, they're sending you a little piece of their energy 
that they want you to receive through the card with the writing and, 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 you know, their personal writing or a joke they've chosen or, and, and signing their name, love, love your friend. And what we need to get good at is receiving the energy of the card and realizing it is not in the card. Mm. Yeah. So take the energy, say thank you to your friend, even if they're not there, say, you know, really receive the card. And then the paper and the photograph and the writing is not important. Right. It's been transferred to you and it's, yes. it's done its job. I, I really actually really love that. That's great. Same is true with gifts. I mean, a lot of people got, I mean, one of the worst times is when people have a baby and then they get a lot of baby shower presents. Right. And they can often be overwhelmed. And that again is a time to receive the present, the, 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 the goodwill mm-hmm. and do not get buried in the stuff. Give it, give it away, recycle it, return it to the store, whatever you need to do. Um, but if we just realized it's the energy we need to exchange and we did not see stuff or materialism as really having energy in it. In fact, it's actually, there's a wonderful book um, about feng shui and decluttering by a woman named um, Karen Kingston. She's English. And I read this years ago and it made a huge impression on me. She said, dust in the house, in a house, when you, when you dust a house, dust is dead energy. Mm. It's the particles of dead energy. And so for an energetic house, you want to keep it clean. You want to take out the dust um, for sure. But you also don't want to get um, surrounded by clutter because that is ultimately dead too. The energy is going to dead pull you down. So we need to focus on the energy, focus on people, real living people, our friends, our family, and the stuff we don't need that we don't we don't need half as much as we have these days and certainly 100 10 years ago we lived with a lot less yeah i found this i find this incredibly helpful and i'm going to email you once i have an outbox in my front little hallway and i'll let you know how i'm feeling <laughs> um yeah. i i really appreciate that advice it's great advice i'll send you i made a little video for um one good thing about about the outbox uh, in which I, I do it myself, which <laughs> is always fun. Yeah. I can use my work to actually clean out my house, which is pretty great. That's great. Um, Perfect. I'll send that to you later on too as well. I, I would love that. Um, and now I'm so excited to know what you brought to G Thanks Just Bought It. I know you had sent two options. Oh my God. And one of them flagged to me as like, okay, we need to talk about this. So Let's hear it. What did you bring? Did you think just bought it? Actually, after this whole conversation, now you've hit my problem area because I am <laughs> very good at, 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 at clutter, but I get, I, maybe because I have a daughter, I, I just got way into fun, fun things. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of, I have a lot of um, collected practical jokes <laughs> and I, and I arguably have, I, that's my clutter problem, but this one uh, takes the cake. So it was about, it was literally about three weeks ago. And I had a friend staying with me who was from Jamaica and it was a really hot day. And we have a pool in the backyard here and kids were about to jump in the pool. And she said, Oh, you should have a, a phone party. <laughs> and I, and, and, and I, I had no idea what she was talking about. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, in Jamaica, the hotels I've stayed in, they have phone parties. And she quickly pulled up her phone, Googled phone party, at Jamaica, whatever. And all these people were in their bathing suits standing surrounded by like a huge bubble bath 
of foam, but it was outdoors and it was like an acre, an acre wide. And oh they were all gosh. like sipping. Drinks. So I said, where do I get one? <laughs> <laughs> of course, being, being as I'm a good, good at this as I can be, I go to Amazon and I put in foam machine and one popped right up. Of course. And I looked at it and I said, if I click buy now, this will come in two days. And it came in two days and I bought a foam machine with a foam sleeve and it, what it does, and, and all these packets of um, surfactant that you mix with about 10 gallons full of water. Okay. And then you take a one tube, the foam machine is basically a big fan, but it's a, it's a fan that pulls up a combination of water from your hose that goes into a little nozzle and this tub of surfactant mixed with water, it's basically soap, which is also, um, dermatologically tested, doesn't hurt anything, disappears. Uh, it's totally non-safe, non, it's safe, non-toxic. And it pushes it through this fan and it starts to make ginormous foam that very quickly spreads across your lawn, across a beach or across your pool so much so that you can't even see the water anymore. And then wow. you, you then jump through it for hours. You jump in and out of it. P kids love to hide under the bubbles and not come up. Um, and then the wind will kick up and lift these bubbles up into the air and they'll blow up into the trees. And it's like surreal. That it's sounds like, um, amazing. <laughs> it's really fun. I don't know. You asked me, you asked me what I bought. Gee, I bought it and I have to admit it was really fun. This and is still like fun. I've used it twice. And your, and your kid likes it and her friends like it. And everyone is like, this is like the cool house with the foam, with the foam uh, machine. Pretty much. My, my, my daughter, my daughter's friends love it. My daughter likes to kid me that, that I am, that I shouldn't, I shouldn't have bought a foam machine. And she was convinced that all of the foam was going to like pollute and, you know, turn the water in the pool green or something like that. But I, I, I read all the instructions and I went through the whole thing. They wouldn't make it if it did all that. So she's let go. Oh, okay. I'm glad she, she seems very uh, into sustainability, which I really appreciate. Um, but Tough. Tough. <laughs> I'm glad that that it is really non-toxic because that makes it even more enjoyable. Um, how, how long after? OK, foam party's over. Everyone's inside. We've all rinsed off. How long is the foam staying? Like, when does the foam go away? And how do you like what? Oh. What's the lifespan of the foam? Oh, it's 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 really um, it's really soap bubbles. So it lasts. Uh, it starts to fade you know, maybe, you know, 10, 15 minutes after they're made, but the machine makes so much, it just keeps coming <laughs> that you can keep it going for a couple of hours until you turn it off and then it'll, it'll be gone in about an hour or so. How long were you keeping, how long do you have to keep the machine on to get, you know, the whole pool area covered and to make it feel like really crazy? How long does it take? Uh, about five minutes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, no, it, once it's, once the machine starts pumping out the foam, it, it's a little freaky. And that's also part of the joy of the, of the ridiculous purchase because it, people go, oh my God, it's there's, that's a lot of bubbles. Oh no. Oh no. Look at them. And they start to travel across any surface, whatever surface you put in front of it, they're going to just start to spread out all wow. across it. Wow. This sounds so fun. I'm looking at Amazon right now. I just typed in foam machine. I clicked the first one. Do you remember what the name, which uh, specific one you got? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it, 
it's not it was no specific brand that i remember because um it was just called foam machine it was called i i searched for it and <clears throat> I think it might have been a bestseller. I okay. Don't know. So it was like kind of the yeah. top rated. Um, do you remember how much? It, oh, okay. I think I see it. Yeah. No, it, it, no. Here was, here was the only problem. It wasn't cheap. Yeah. But um, it's the foam party super e foam machine with siphon hose and foam powder pack. What a name. Um, okay. Let's see. But it's it's solid state. It's a completely solid state thing. Mm-hmm. And it comes... Um, it comes with everything you need to get going really quickly and then 12 extra packs. And personally, I, I sort of thought this would be not something we would use for the summer, but also I could sh- loan it to friends because I'm very happy to have them take this over to their house too and share the Sure. The, the communal foam machine, what every yeah. friend group needs really, I think. So this yeah. was, I'm looking at the price. Did, so it was $695. Do you see six ninety five? Yeah. What it, does that sound right to you? It, uh, mine is six eighty five. Oh, okay. Well, the 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 deal on your end. Um, I wonder why. But no, yeah, it's 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 a lot. It's a lot. But it's you're not buying a throwaway machine. This is a real machine. It's sort of like buying a prop for a set, uh, for a film set. Mm-hmm. So, if you look at it that way, you know you can think about that. I I am. Um, this is where I got into trouble with my daughter because I, I didn't show her the price when she sneaked and she saw the price. She got irate with me, but I, <laughs> I tend to get, I tend to get enthusiastic about certain things. And um, I have to say, I haven't made any mistakes. Okay. I no, I believe you for sure. I think, I think if you're going to buy a foam machine and you're like, you know, we're going to use it and this is a thing we're going to take care of it, like anything you buy, like we're going to take care of it and we're going to, you know, make sure it's stored properly um, then and we're going to share it with people like it does make sense. We talk about this a lot on the podcast, you know, buying the the quality expensive item over buying the, you know, maybe $90 item that will break and then you'll have to throw away and then it's just contributing more plastic to landfills. And like, those are all things you want to think about. And I think that like it, if you, you know, if you thought it through and you were like, this is going to be a thing that we have, I think that makes total sense. And it sounds like it actually works, which we've all bought things on Amazon. I think probably like the more inexpensive version of things it comes and you're like, this sucks, (laughs) this doesn't work. It sucks. I can't return it or, you know, and it just ends up in the garbage. And so the the thoughtful you know higher quality uh piece of equipment ends up always being the better buy um and i imagine this is the same one they use you know in heavy duty i don't know films that have foam parties i'm sure there have been them i'm looking at all the pictures of the the foam party super e-foam machine in action it looks really fun (laughs) It's it's really fun. It's surprising. Again, I had never seen anything like this before, so maybe that's why I got so taken. But I have to say, in terms of good, clean fun, yeah, it's hard. To yeah, it's really funny that you brought this. I told you this before we started recording, but in uh, in uh, our one of our Patreon episodes, Jackie and I were talking about you know the things that we remember about. Um, our college experiences and she who she went to university of Texas and she was like, Oh, foam parties. And I had never heard of a foam party before. We did not have them at the university of Massachusetts Amherst. Uh, and now, and then when you emailed and said, Oh, the item I'm bringing is a foam machine. I was like, well, this is, this is just kismet. This has to be the item. This is very cool. 
Um, there you go. And actually, you know, I didn't do a lot of research. I and I, as I, if I do a little bit more, it looks like there there are less expensive versions um, and more expensive versions, but there are some quicker, uh, like even one hundred and seventy dollars here. It looks like um, at Target they make a foam machine for pools. So there, you can enter at different levels. But I will say it was surprising and fun for adults and kids. And it's just summer. It's just a summer thing. It was really hot a few weeks ago, and it was really fun to think about being outdoors all day. Yeah, that's really nice. And, you know, kids have also dealt with so much in the last we've made we've put them through a lot in the last year and a half, two years of this pandemic. And, you know, most of them can't be vaccinated yet. And uh, all of them have been without their friends for a while. And this summer was sort of the return to normalcy for a lot of kids. And so if you can add a foam party to the mix. And we're not traveling. Yeah, exactly. It's your vacation budget. it's been a little kooky in the last year. And so we have been home all the time. And so I have, I have uh, bought a few toys totally, uh, just to keep ourselves um, entertained. Yeah. In that same vein, we bought, my husband and I bought last summer because we were like, oh, well, we have no travel budget. Like there's nowhere to put our travel money now. We bought um, an outdoor projector and screen oh, yeah. for outdoor movies, which was like the best money that we spent because it also allowed us to have friends over um, you know, during the pandemic and say like, you know, keep Outdoor. your masks on. Yeah. We're, we're outside. You go around our front yard. You don't have to come through our house. Uh, please, you know, use your bathroom before you come over <laughs> because we'll make you squat in the woods. Um, but it was, it was like a nice little thing that we could do yeah. to, to give ourselves a sense of normalcy. And it was worth every penny from that respect. Yeah, I think that's true for me too. It was a, a little bit about stocking the house for outdoor play things that we could, because we couldn't, even this summer, I mean, it's been a little touch and go, but just being outdoors and staying home a lot, it felt like, it felt like investing in the home. It de- Yeah, exactly. And right, just like we were saying when we were talking about organizing, you know, we were faced with like, all of the money you would be spending elsewhere, out to eat, experiences, travel, I, you know, you saw a lot of people who had, you know, that superfluous cash in their budget be like, how can I make this place that I am going to be spending all of my time more comfortable, more fun, uh, more peaceful and and happier because we are not leaving for a while. Um, And even now, you know, we're we're far from over, you know, what's happening. And I feel a lot better now that I'm vaccinated. But it's still I still spend more time at home than anywhere else. Well, Maxwell, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us on G. Thanks. Just bought it. Thanks for all of the wonderful apartment therapy that you gave me. Um, I'm looking through the site right now. It's not anything new to me. I look at it all the time. But there are so many great things that I think uh, listeners will love if you're not a regular apartment therapy reader um you know get on board there is uh, a lot of inspo and if you're like me there'll be a little bit of jealousy too but i think you'll be able to get past it um i really enjoyed uh having you on the show and we will link to the foam machine for everyone in case anyone is in the market um i might be i might be now after this conversation well if if nothing else all i can say is gee gee thanks i just bought it (laughs) 
<laughs> Amazing. Thank Amazing. Thanks so much for coming. Everyone, we will link to everything we talked about in uh, the show today um, so you can get your own foam machine. We will. Um, I will link to the Outbox um, video from Maxwell. Uh, and if, you've, if you're someone who's trying to declutter but uh, does not want to hold up every single shirt you own and ask if it brings you joy, I think this sounds like a really good alternative. And we will see you guys next week for another episode. Oh, 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 o